0: And welcome to another edition of Two Guys and a Chainsaw I'm Craig And I'm Todd And we're continuing our month of summer movies And when we thought about doing uh, this theme I made up a list of movies that reminded me of summer And uh, the movie that we're doing today uh, jumped out at me uh, right away (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha. And ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I didn't even mean to do that. I'm, I'm on a roll already. <laughs> and, you know, people ask us from time to time why we don't do more classic horror movies. Uh, and it's not that we don't love those movies. We do. It's just we kind of feel like, what are we going to say that somebody else hasn't already said? Uh, and so, you know, probably, if you ask people to think about summertime horror movies, one of the quintessential movies that they would probably list would be Jaws, Uh, and I love Jaws. Jaws is a great movie, of course a huge blockbuster, you know, really gave Steven Spielberg uh, his start, but I decided instead that we should talk about the much maligned, and I will say unfairly so, Jaws 3D or Jaws (laughs) (laughs) or Jaws 3 if you're just watching it on television (laughs) from 1983 this of course is the second sequel uh, to Spielberg's original film and uh, I have really super super fond uh, memories of this movie I almost did it again did you hear that I, I have a <laughs> I have a tendency to say movies of this memory, but I'm going to try not to say that. <laughs> I used to watch this again for the same reason that I have fond memories of a lot of these movies from the 80s. Uh, we had this movie on VHS, uh, and I watched it over and over and over and over again. Um, in fact, I think I'm. Almost certain that I saw Jaws 3D well before I ever saw the original Jaws. And uh, it gets a terrible rap, you know, even though it did really well in theaters. It made a bunch of money. Um, In fact, it held the record for the highest grossing uh, 3D film for a really long time, all the way up until like Spy Kids 3 or something. So uh, it it did really good. Um, But. It got terrible, terrible reviews um and nearly killed the franchise. Um there was, of course, another sequel, Jaws the Revenge, which got even worse reviews. Um I gotta admit I'm kind of a fan of that movie too, although I don't enjoy <laughs> it as much as this one. I, I have fond memories of it, but I'm coming from that perspective of having grown up with it. Um I have no idea, Todd, what's your history with this movie? You're really laying all your cards out on the table for this one, Greg. <laughs> hey, come on.
1: I'm i going to defend
0: this movie. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I have to say, um, I had never I had seen this movie before. I know it used to come on cable every now and then, but I mean, I was young. I don't I didn't remember. There's only one scene <laughs> that I actually remembered, and also what I remembered were the awful compositing effects. Like oh, yeah. I distinctly remember even as a kid going Holy crap, does all of this look fake? <laughs> and what I mean is clearly the sequences where they used visual effects and I and I read later that this was the very first film to do uh, to use video for compositing, to do optical effects. An optical effect is when they use when they print on the film. So like for example, the lightsabers in Star Wars are an optical sure. effect, right? They didn't use light They didn't have any special lights. They just wove around big sticks. And later on, on top of that, on the film, frame by frame, they more or less, this is a simplified way of saying it, but painted on, you know, bright glowing orbs. And so anytime you see like a giant ant (laughs) and a tiny person in front of it, that's usually an optical effect where you're printing the footage from one film on top of the footage from another you know, usually using the blue screen or the green screen or something like that, and so all of the optical effects in this movie were the. This was the first movie, apparently, where that was all done with video instead of just film to film, and the result is not too pretty. I think <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm not even sure it was great for its day because you know I know no. I saw it just a few days, a few few years later uh, than it came out in 1983, and um, oh my god, it's 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 so bad it's funny. Actually, and that's one of the charms of the movie. Actually, I think in all, all in all, not just about the optical effects, but you know, I think the plot, <laughs> some of the characters, uh, it's enjoyable for that reason. For me,
0: yeah. Oh, I will agree with you a hundred percent that some of the effects are really bad. But again, like you said, almost kind of so bad it's good in a charming way yeah the shark for the most part I mean anytime they're using a fake shark I mean there are some shots of you know actual real sharks but they're few and far between and any of the shots of the fake shark uh, are, are very clearly fake there's you know when people talk about this movie there's one memorable sequence at the end that everybody kind of points to where uh, I mean it's 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 bad I mean it looks like uh, Godzilla movie or or Clash of the Titans or something like that like it, it, anything but realistic <laughs> you know it doesn't look real <laughs> at all um, but w- it, as a kid I don't think that that bothered me um, and as an adult I can recognize it it for its shortcomings, but like you said, I, I almost feel like that adds something to the charm. The movie was originally conceived as a spoof. You know, the first two films both did very well, uh, both starring Roy Schneider, who didn't even want to have anything to do with the second movie let alone the third movie he was contractually bound to do the second movie and so he did it begrudgingly but uh, he said there was just absolutely no way in hell that he was doing a third one in fact he took another movie just so that he could not do this movie <laughs> and so it was originally <laughs> it was originally conceived as a spoof and it was going to be um Jaws 3 People Zero uh, and it was you know gonna be a, a comedy a comedic take on it but uh Spielberg Uh, did not like that idea at all. Uh, He was adamantly opposed to it and said that he wouldn't have anything to do with it, and in fact, you know, he actively worked to make sure that that didn't happen. So then there was a, uh, they decided to go in the traditional route, you know, the more serious route, and a script was written, I don't remember who wrote it, I didn't write it down, but there was a script that was written about a great white shark, Uh, somehow, accidentally swimming upstream and becoming trapped in a lake Uh, and there are remnants of that idea left here in this movie but apparently all kinds of script doctors came in made all these changes They, they wanted a tie to the original films, so they wanted Sheriff Brody's sons from the original movies, they wanted them to be key characters Uh, in the film so they wrote them in and instead of the shark swimming up a river and getting trapped in a lake uh, they decided to have the shark uh, end up getting trapped in SeaWorld which (laughs) I just think is just genius like just (laughs) like on paper a rogue great white shark loose in SeaWorld like sign me up I am on board for this movie. It's, it's literally
1: SeaWorld. It's not like Marine Land Park or whatever. It is truly and honestly. Was SeaWorld involved? I mean, clearly they were involved in the production of the movie.
0: Oh, yeah, they had to be. But that's another thing that blows my mind. Like, what were they thinking? You know. know, like... <laughs> it doesn't make them look good. <laughs> it's no. Like, you, you never see
1: this happen today.
0: Oh, no, absolutely not. They would have to totally make it, you know, some SeaWorld knockoff. Because uh, no way.
1: Because the guy that Lou Gossett Jr. plays the, the, the head of the park... I know I'm getting ahead of it, but I just got to no, get cool. it. Lou Gossett Jr. plays the head of the park, and he is like the typical asshole, only cares about money, doesn't care about the safety of anybody or anything, or even the well-being of the animals, basically, no, yeah. in the in sea world. It, it, he is the owner of the park, and so it's it, you just can't imagine that they looked at this and said, oh, yeah, this is really good. This is going to do wonders for our attendance, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I I mean, I guess maybe because the first two movies were such big hits, they thought that they would get some publicity out of it or whatever, but you're right. They come off looking bad. Now, SeaWorld gets a bad rap these days anyway, you know, in the aftermath of Blackfish, where People are, you know, kind of questioning whether or not these marine animals should be held in captivity at all. And if they are, you know, how are they being treated? Is it, you know, humane and that kind of stuff? And I'm really conflicted about it. um, But that's also another reason that I think that I'm nostalgic uh, for this movie. Because I went to SeaWorld when I was a kid. And I absolutely loved it. You know, my parents took us to Orlando and, um, we, you know, we did Disney, uh, and we did SeaWorld and SeaWorld was by far and away my favorite of the things that we did. I mean, it was just so cool to be able to see these marine animals up close and personal. And of course, you know, you've got the whale shows and the dolphin shows and all of that. But <clears throat> the SeaWorld that's portrayed in this movie is the SeaWorld that I went to when I was a kid. SeaWorld Mm. is very different now. I haven't been there. I haven't been there as an adult. So, you know, all I know is, you know, from their promotional videos, from things that I see uh, on TV or online or whatever, but this Sea World, you know, has a great big lagoon where they do like water ski shows, and they've got, you know, like these little variety show things going on while the skiers are in the background, um, and of course all the marine attractions uh, and and the animals and stuff as well. But I, I don't have them, but my parents have pictures that could have been taken. During the filming of this movie, you know, like, (laughs) like the the people in costume doing like little like hoedown shows and like Uh a a, a lady in a, you know, a a cartoon pig outfit like dancing around like I was there. Um, And so to see it all again and there's a lot of just sporadically throughout and it it's not jarring it doesn't seem out of place it seems very much in keeping with the rest of the movie but you just get all these really cool shots of sea world stuff yeah. the the killer whales doing their stuff and the dolphins doing their stuff and uh again you know not necessarily SeaWorld's greatest moment, but there's just some beautiful um, videography of of all that stuff that was going down, and uh, I think that's another big part of why I liked it.
1: It's 100% nostalgia for you isn't it Craig it's got to be. Yeah. And for, and honestly for me too. I, I mean this movie is very dated and in a charming way it just transported me a little bit back to the 80s again. And I didn't go to SeaWorld when I was a kid. I went to Disney World when I was a kid and the way that Dis- SeaWorld has changed is is very similar to the way Disney World has changed. You know, you can look back at the 80s um and I'm sure You know, my parents can look back even further, but uh, you can look back at the 80s and see a very distinctly different feel to the park and to the costumes and to the things that people found entertaining, you know, at that time. Um, They just don't, you know, it doesn't work today, but it's charming to see as part of the movie and as such an integral part of the story. I mean, they cram all this crap in there. Like yeah. <laughs> as much as they can. And that's why I felt like this had to be like a. Like, at first, I really thought maybe see World commissioned this because it's almost like a giant <laughs> advertisement for their park, except for the part of, you know, people getting eaten by runaway right. marine animals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. You know, the bodies floating through the attractions and things. Like that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I can talk about how it opens. It opens underwater and, like, you know, it's got all. All, all of the credits are, you know, like that great 3D, like popping out at you with like, you know, the imagery trailing behind it and stuff. and oh,
1: That's the other charming part about this movie is the extremely obvious cheap 3D effects, you know, where they're jamming things up in your face at the camera the whole time. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to be watching it with glasses to, to recognize these things. It's hilarious.
0: Well, and and I don't remember. I don't know if it was the director or you know, somebody along the way. They didn't want to do that. They just wanted the 3D um, to work to give the movie depth. But then, of course, the studio execs came in and said, if we're paying for 3D, poke something out at us. (laughs) From the (laughs) very beginning.
1: (laughs) And I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, because, you know, you and I are both huge fans of underwater photography, and that's another thing I really liked about this movie. I feel like the underwater photography in this movie is really good. It's it's really clear. It's great when the people... if I could say like the underwater acting or whatever, and the staging is also quite good. It's just, it's just good. And, uh, in the very beginning we get all these, you know, scenes of fish swimming. It's, you know, like all this footage, it looks like it was shot on a reef, you know, it's all underwater. And then there's this big fish that swims by the camera and suddenly big blood (laughs) sprays everywhere. And this giant fish head (laughs) just rotating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> floating you. out of the screen. Oh, the minute that comes up, you know what, what kind of movie you're in for. It's really yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it, it is hilarious. And and then they, they show that the show skiers, like, rehearsing. And apparently this SeaWorld is just opening. Like, I guess they've been open, like, for a week for, like, previews or whatever. But it's their grand opening. And so there's all this press around and, like, they're training people and we uh, see somebody presenting this model of this new attraction, which is the Undersea Kingdom, which they say is the brainchild of Calvin Bouchard, who runs it, owns it, I don't know. But like you said, it's Louis Gossett Jr. There are so many famous people in this movie. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. (laughs) It is crazy. And, you know, Louis Gossett Jr. has been in a million things. And this is certainly not his finest hour. He, no, he, he kind seems of, to
1: be phoning it in to be completely honest.
0: <laughs> he, and, and he, he, he plays it kind of stereotypically, like as a person of color and also just kind of as, you know, just kind of the dicky executive who doesn't care, you know, like it's always just about the bottom line for him. That's all he cares about is the bottom line and anything else be damned.
1: There's no depth to his character. There's nothing behind the lines to be honest. No, no, no. And that's true of a lot of these characters, actually, in this movie, I think. <laughs>
0: that's certainly not atypical for movies of the 80s. You know, that no. was a very common, you know, that was a very common antagonist. You know, like, the just the jerky businessman. But these skiers, so they're going along, and we see that a shark starts following them, and supposedly, this sea world, uh, I don't remember where it was actually located, I don't remember if it was Orlando, I think it was Orlando, but it was somewhere where it's landlocked, but in the fictional world of this movie, they are directly on the coast, and so they've got this deep water trench that connects them to the ocean, and so these skiers are skiing, and they, they ski... You know, through this channel or whatever, and we see this shark follow them in, and the engineers start to close this great big steel gate behind them as they go in, but we know that the shark is also coming, and so the gate, like, slams, I guess, on the shark. Um, And jams. And so that's when we meet uh, Mike Brody, who is uh, the oldest son of Sheriff Brody from the first movie. And in this movie, he's played by Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and Dennis Quaid, you know, he's, he's very young in this movie. He's very handsome. Um, I just read this morning as I was last minute kind of preparing for this that he claims that he was coked out of his mind for this whole movie. He says that every scene that he's in in this movie, he is just totally tweaking out on Coke. I wouldn't know it because I actually thought his performance was good. Like, that's the thing about this movie, too. Like, the acting isn't that bad. I mean, what they're given... Is bad. It's not great, but I thought that the performances were kind of natural and like it, it, it didn't seem forced like I want to hang out with Mike Brody he seems like a fun guy if
1: I were to figure out what doesn't work for me about the movie is that I it's got to be the directing because you're right the actors are doing a fine job um, with what they're given mm-hmm. what they're given is not Oscar winning material no but it's also not at all uncommon for films from this era Mm. Things that the people say, the way that they say them, the different characters, the stereotypical, um, you know, like you said, evil boss man who only cares about money. The really nice, um, hardworking guy, you know, who's going to save the day. He has a female sidekick and they have a romantic thing. You know, mm. and there's a brother involved and a friend and all this stuff. Like all of this is just pu- completely plucked and pulled out of standard Hollywood boilerplate, especially for the 80s. And so it, even though it's it's cheesy, I think it's cheesy. It should still work, you know, more or less. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that keeps it from working has just has to be the direction, you know, the way that things were staged, the way that things were edited together. Sometimes maybe particular line deliveries maybe weren't the character, you know, the the actor's choices. And, um, you know, that's the only thing I can think of there. He's going, go for this, go for this, go for that. And they're delivering. Um, But, you know, it's just not working as a cohesive whole.
0: Well, it was directed by by, uh, Joe Alves, and this was the only movie that he ever directed. Uh, He was the production designer on Jaws 1, and he was uh, the second unit director on Jaws 2. Um, and, and like I said, this is the only movie he ever directed, but, uh, he was also the production designer on movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Escape from New York. So, you know, he's talented in his own right. Maybe direction isn't his forte. Um, This came in the advent of a surge in popularity of 3D movies around this time, and it came out right around the same time as Amityville 3D um, and Friday the 13th 3, which is in 3D. And in comparison to those movies, I would argue that this movie is a step above. You know, in, in terms of maybe cinematography, except for some of the... You know, bad effects that we've talked about, but the acting is better. Like, yeah, I mean, if if you compare it to other movies of the same time, you know, capitalizing on the same 3D fit deal, you know, I I just I think it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. I mean, you've got
1: to put it all relative. <laughs> you have got right. to make it relative, but yeah, I mean, I I, I won't argue with you there for sure.
0: So anyway, Mike is apparently the head engineer at the park. Like, he's designed and and led the building of all of this. Um, And he is in a relationship with Dr. K. Morgan, who's played by Bess Armstrong. Again, very famous, still working. Um, She plays the mom a lot these days, but she's... uh, young and pretty and and tough and smart in this movie and i really like her and i have to mention uh at this point <laughs> two of the very important characters of the movie Cindy and Sandy the dolphins <laughs> who play a pivotal <laughs> role
1: they do A little too pivotal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite pieces of trivia that I read, and I don't even know how this makes me feel, but um, Sandy the dolphin, who played a female dolphin in this movie but is actually a male, is still alive at at 50. What? Yes, is still working at SeaWorld, and one of those dolphins that you can pay $100 to swim with and ride and stuff. Crazy and,
1: and sits down to watch this movie at least once a week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sandy's probably getting a residual check. <laughs> Revisiting the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Kay is the head biologist at the park. And then uh, we get introduced to this other character, Philip Fitzroyce, played by Simon McNeil. Corkendale, um, who's like this big shot photographer who's going to come in and do all this photography for publicity and stuff. <laughs> and then um, they introduce all the characters right away, which I really appreciate because I can get yeah. it out of the way. And then uh, Mike's brother, Sean, who is played by John Putch, P-U-T-C-H, I don't know. He's the son of Jeannie, I think, Triplehorn. She was the mom on All in the Family. Oh. He, he shows up, and I think that he's just there uh for a visit or something um there's no question that ever
1: at at any point that he's his brother i think they refer to him as brother or that he's his brother in like every scene (laughs) it's so funny it's like when he first sees him but oh it's my brother hey brother how you doing hey brother and then later on i may be your baby brother but blah 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 i mean boy do they remind you of uh, of their relationship.
0: And it's almost a, it's a little over the top because when they're together they kind of act like they're like nine, like they're all the time yeah. like kind of like hitting each other and wrestling and wrestling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's cute. And you know, yeah. none of them are terrible actors and you know, I, I Honestly, this time when I was watching it, and it's been a while since I had seen it, I was just kind of impressed by how natural the acting seemed. Like, it didn't Mm. seem forced. Like, these people seemed like they were having a good time. They seemed like they had a familial or at least friendly relationship. Um, I kind of liked it. Anyway, he shows up. The first uh, kill, I guess, um, is the guy who is tasked to fix the gate. You know, that gate that got broken before. And it's it's pretty simple. You know, he jumps in the water late at night for some reason. I don't know why yeah. he <laughs> waited until it was dark. I don't either. And, you know, he just jumps in there and he's fixing the gate or whatever. And then he gets eaten by a shark. And, we see and his, his
1: giant severed arm rotates floating, come, floating straight toward the, the camera.
0: We see something like pounding up against the gate. I think the suggestion is that the shark is trying to get back out into the ocean, but it can't. So we know that it's stuck in there. And and then we just get, you know, some kind of fun stuff. They they all go to a bar. Apparently there's like a staff bar at SeaWorld or something, and um, Sean meets uh, his love interest of the movie, who is Kelly played by Leah Thompson. Again, like, this was her first movie ever but she went on she went on to do howard the duck and back to the future and still working uh and and she's young and cute 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 in this movie um and they flirt and then like within 30 seconds they're a couple
1: yeah <laughs> again total 80s
0: movie <laughs> right. the only thing they
1: were missing was that moment where like they stop and see each other from across the room and some <laughs> sax music comes on. You know, that's the only thing they did. movie, to its credit, did not have in it.
0: Yeah. No, they play a fun, flirty game in the bar, and then there are a couple. Um, and after that, uh, Mike and Kay go for a walk on the beach, and Kelly wants to... Kelly's left alone with Sean She wants to go swimming But he tells her that he hates the ocean She's like well okay fine you hate the ocean So we'll go to the lagoon Then when we go back to Mike and Kay On the beach uh, He reminds her He says don't you remember I told you about That shark attack in Amity So they're connected Yeah, here's the connection. You know, we've got this history with sharks or whatever. Um, And presumably with the first movie, I guess, right? Well, that would have actually been the second movie because it was the second movie, again, a good movie. um, But remember, Sean in the second movie was a little tiny boy and he went out with Mike's friends on these sailboats um, and they all got attacked. And so, so he was a little tiny kid, so apparently he's... Traumatized, and so he hates the water now. Um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Right,
1: none of it matters really. No, it it's, doesn't matter doesn't really. really. Add, doesn't even really come into play later in the movie. You know, there's that's that's one of the things I think about this movie now that I consider it. There's also no real major drama between the characters like that gets in the way or complicates the plot at all. Right. They raise these little things, and oh, I'm gonna have to go away and blah blah blah. But I, I, it doesn't really factor in once the shark starts killing people. Everybody just bands together and they do their thing. You know, there's no Jurassic Park. Sabotage or anything like that. It's a very pretty straightforward plot.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole relationship thing comes up again a couple of times, and sometimes at the stupidest moments, like there will be urgent things going on, and she'll just be like, "Let's talk about our relationship, like really now." <laughs> Let's maybe wait until we take care of this killer shark problem. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Can we rescue the people who are drowning in the water first? Oh, man. Kelly gets Sean into the water, and, you know, they're making out or whatever. And they're, you know, it's, I hate to. These things aren't really significant, but <laughs> they're so cute that I. I hate to skip over them. Like, like Mike and Kay pull this funny joke on them where, like, they pretend to be the police or whatever. And it's funny because the brother's, like, he's standing there in his underwear in the water. He's like, I'm okay. My brother works here.
1: Uh, I'm Kelly Bukowski from the ski team. <laughs>
0: And then they wrassle on the beach. and <laughs> That's uh, right. <clears throat> There's
1: lots of sand tossing and stuff. There are also some rafters who are uh, coming in. It's still the dead of night, and they're they're sneaking in. I thought, oh, are they going to sabotage SeaWorld or something? No, they're going to steal some coral from the bottom. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just a thing, right? They just go in. They go in to steal some coral, and they get their comeuppance because the shark eats them both.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. And
1: we don't we – don't, Nobody ends up seeing their bodies later or anything like that. Nope. This is the other crazy thing about this movie. Okay, so the shark breaks into this, I guess, straight into this lagoon, right, at SeaWorld, mm-hmm. and is causing all of this mayhem. By this point, he's eaten the two rafters, he's eaten the one guy, and, um, you know, their body parts and things floating around, but nobody sees anything. Like, none of this ever floats to the surface until they really really go searching for the one guy and then they only find the one guy yeah mhm yeah i don't know how big is this lagoon you know and how well monitored is it not you know? <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it must be pretty big you know like you said they do eventually they don't even find the one guy like they go looking for him they don't find him but he eventually pops up but that, I mean, that's that's the next thing that happens. The, the guy who got killed, the the guy who was fixing the gate, his girlfriend is all mad, and she's like going to kick him out because she thinks he's cheating or something. Mm. But Mike and Kay know that maybe he's in trouble, uh, and I don't know how they know that he dove by himself. But um, Mike says something like he broke one of the cardinal rules of diving: you've always got to have somebody watching your back or something so they, they know he may be in trouble so they decide to go look for him and they take this submersible into the lagoon to look for him and again it's terrible like whatever you called it the graphic design the or whatever optical effects, yeah. the optical effects they look awful they really
1: do they
0: <laughs> if you're you know 8 year old me like <laughs> it's it's pretty cool like they get to go in their own little personal submarine and like they're gonna go explore like this undersea kingdom where there's like a sunken pirate ship, and like they 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 drive right by the control room, and the control room is underwater, and it has this huge you know big glass aquarium you know thing, and which looks like. a a bad movie screen or something. Like, it doesn't look (laughs) real at all. It looks terrible. But they go down there and they look around, and I I have it in my notes here, bad graphics slash good music. So I want to take just a second here to say that I love the music in this movie. It is so good. It is such a good score that, like, if it is or if it were available, like, I would... Order it because in the happy moments it's like kind of this big swelling, you know, orchestral score. I don't know if it's orchestral; it's probably synthesizers. But and then in the scary moments, it's you know kind of got some really cool tense stuff going on too. It does incorporate the traditional shark theme a little bit from the first two movies, but not too much. Not Almost, too much. Very little, actually. Yeah. Oh, I just love. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's, I'm not gonna. It's a bad movie, but I'm. I love it, so I'm gonna talk about how much I love it.
1: It's more. It's more fun listening to a guy who loves a bad movie than a guy who doesn't love a bad
0: movie. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear. Here, it.
1: Hearing you gush over it is nice. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think this movie would get nearly as much gushing if it were just me talking. <laughs>
0: oh no, no. I and I figured you'd totally be like arguing with me about. No, dude, it's bad. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So I I appreciate you at least indulging me. (laughs) I'm not going to steal your childhood away from you, man.
1: (laughs) You get to keep that.
0: (laughs) They go down there and they're searching through the pirate ship and, like, the dolphins, Cindy and Sandy, are acting weird and, like... At one point, like, the one of the dolphins literally, like, comes right up to them and starts shaking its head no, like, no, don't come out here. And then all of a sudden, this great white shark, like, attacks the side of the pirate ship that they're in. And there's a, a you know, kind of a little bit of a chase, but then the dolphins save them. Like, <laughs> like, the dolphins swim up to them and let them grab onto their fins, and they swim away with them. It's like
1: a cartoon. I was like, this... Was really really goofy. I, I just couldn't get behind two dolphins swooping in last minute. Hey guys, hitch a ride. We're gonna get you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the humans grabbing their fins and pulling them away from the sharks. Uh, that was cornball as hell. I don't know who wrote that, but uh, come on, man.
0: I'm rolling my no. I'm I'm sitting here rolling my eyes like that happens, Todd. Like oh, dolphins yeah, right. save people. <laughs> dolphins <laughs> save.
1: Come Grab on! <laughs> Don't look back! <laughs> uh,
0: and and one of my favorite parts is like at one point she falls off and like the shark is like a, a centimeter away from her and then the dolphin like swoops in like, I gotcha! Like
1: <laughs> and it made it very clear how difficult it really is to film this sort of thing. Yeah, you know, because it was very poorly filmed. There was no way to really do this realistically. And so what you end up with is just a bunch of close ups. It's like, rah, here's Jaws coming after them. And then it's like, woo, here's them riding on some dolphins. And then woo, here's Jaws again. And woo, here's them riding on some dolphins, you know.
0: Well, I understand what you're saying, but it reminds me of something that I actually thought was kind of neat about the movie. Like, I have no idea how much switching in and out they did, but so much of this movie takes place underwater, True. and it really, it really seems like a lot of the time, the the actual actors are acting underwater. Like, I would just kind of have expected that they would have had stunt people or, you know, professional divers or whatever. Um, But a good amount of the time, at least on my little computer screen, it looked to me like it was... I know some of the time it was because you would see close-up reaction shots and stuff, but um, Mm. I, I didn't anticipate that. And Dennis Quaid, you know, when... I don't think people ask him about it much anymore, but um, in an interview once, they were like, So you did Jaws 3, and he was like, I did Jaws what now? Like, (laughs) 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 these people don't really want, you know, it's not their proudest moment, but um, there's some cool stuff going on, so yeah, whatever. Um, And they get out, and, and so now they know that there's this this shark uh in here so obviously it's a problem (laughs) uh and the photographer the photographer guy's like let's kill it he's like "I'll, (laughs) i'll 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 film it when we kill it and it'll you know play big on tv but Kay's like
1: well i don't know if it's occurred to any of you all but there isn't a great white alive in captivity anywhere now we're unique here calvin you know that if any facility can maintain a white it's us if, if we could could dart him, tranquilize him,
0: we, we could get him in a holding. Oh, now a hold, hold, him hold it, hold it, now hold it. it. What, what, no, this what, is crazy. This is nuts. She convinces him. She's like, y- you kill it, you know, that happens once, you get some publicity for a minute. But if we capture it, then we can, you know, put out all this advertising. We're the only people that have it. And so he can, she convinces him. And so, so they go on this mission to tranquilize and capture the shark.
1: And to me, this is one of the sillier, more melodramatic moments of the film. And maybe this is also looking at it from the lens of today as well. But just to see the one guy, his extreme solution to this is, we're just going to kill it. Uh, and then the woman's idea is, no, we're going to capture it and we're going to study it. And then to watch the owner of SeaWorld seriously pondering and considering and weighing the pros and cons of each approach. <laughs> it's just a little silly. Oh, Yeah. Uh, and 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 again, just way over the top. I thought this scene was was hilarious, hilariously bad.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny.
1: And the fact that that kind of sets up the central premise for the film, and and that's kind of the thing about the movie is the the shark doesn't do a lot of killing. I guess whenever you've got something in the water that can't come out of the water. And it's not like people are freely swimming and doing things in the water. Like, this is Sea World. Like, this is their lagoon. This is, like, corporate-controlled environment. And so most of the time, they're not even open to the public yet because they're, they're preparing this undersea kingdom section. There's very little danger, it seems. Like, at least, you know, they have lots of time to contemplate what they're going to do with this shark. They go on this hunt for the shark after they have this um, conversation. But it's not a hunt to kill it. It's a hunt to tranquilize it. Uh, And so they dive in the water, and they're just looking for it, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't really understand why she needed to be down there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't quite get that whole thing, but somehow she was down there, and she runs across a shark almost instantly. And uh, Dennis Quaid's character, uh, Mike, ends up uh, shooting a giant harpoon-type thing with a tranquilizer at at the shark from the surface after it surfaces, and they manage to tranquilize it and pull it in. And at this point, I was like, well, okay, really? Because the next scenes of the movie are of them nursing the tranquilized shark back to health. Like, they've got it in this shallow lagoon, where clearly it's not going to be much of a danger to anybody. They're on either side of it, pushing it around, and, you know, it's like it's just a a lifeless, you know, thing, um, trying to nurse it to health. And then when it starts moving, like, they just, you know, leap out of the water, like you'll leap out of the shallow end of a pool and i'm just look where are they going with this like how the minute that you have at least by this point in the movie we think our our main antagonist tranquilized completely under their control it just loses all sense of suspense yeah the fact that they could just capture the shark now later on we learn that this isn't the shark
0: yeah right that's the thing. It's set, it's setting it up for the big twist, but it it does. You're right, and and I was just gonna kind of like you did a good job. You know, like they nurse it back to health, blah, blah, blah. like that's all you need to know. Um, but the the thing like they're in there with it. Like this is a great white shark that's been like stalking and like killing people, and like then they're just kind of like hanging out with it in the and yeah. like <laughs> And like what what really bothered me is they're. They're aerating it. I didn't know this, but I looked it up. Like, I knew that sharks had to keep moving because they constantly have to keep water going – or excuse me, yeah, water going over their gills so that they can get oxygen in that way. But apparently they can also breathe through their mouths. And so they have this great big hose, and they're putting it in the shark's mouth, and they're, like, sticking their arms, like, elbow deep in the shark's mouth. like yeah. What if it wakes up? (laughs)
1: Yeah, It's it's just like, I I mean, this might be true and this might be accurate, you know, and might be real life. But if you're making a scary movie about killer sharks, I, I don't care if it's not the shark, you know, maybe clearly there's a bigger shark. But the fact that you've shown how easy it is to manage a shark that's smaller, you're sharing the pool with it, you're shoving your arm into its mouth and stuff like that, it kind of neuters the whole concept.
0: I know uh, what you mean, I I, th- I I, guess I feel like I guess I feel like I'm getting defensive like shut up it's fine. Cuz they cuz they're setting it up for this big twist because okay so yeah they you know like they get the shark alive and that's great or whatever. Um but she the doctor K says we can't stress it out it's a baby it's been through enough trauma we've got to just you know take it slow. But then as soon as Bouchard the main guy, the head guy, finds out that it's awake, he orders that it be put on display. And they put it on display in one of those tanks where, like, you can go... Pet things, yeah, like pet, like the stingrays and stuff. Like, you can't put a great white shark in there. Like, (laughs) his arm is gonna get bit off. It's, but
1: it's plus it's like three feet of water. I'm kind of surprised like they could even fit in there.
0: And and so she hears over the loudspeaker that it's on display, and she runs over there, and like she's watching it swim around for like five seconds before it goes belly up, and so she jumps in. And, and the, her assistant, she's got these two assistants who are always around, and uh, she jumps in and they like they try to keep moving along or whatever, but um, then it flips over and it's dead. And so, yeah, I mean, it seems kind of like, well, okay, Jaws is dead, so like, right. what's going to happen for the next half hour? And
1: my point is like, this goes on for so long with no other indication that there is another shark out there or that there's any other threat out there. We don't even get, like, some other kill, and it's like, wait a minute, what's that? You know, that, there's nothing. It just starts to look like a domestic dispute over how we're going to handle this animal, you know, that we've captured and how we're going to display it and stuff. And and I think it just pulls a lot of the energy out of the movie at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how long this takes. It does go on for a little while one of the things that I kind of like about the movie is I really kind of felt like it kept moving. Now, that may be because I'm so familiar with it that, like, I know what's coming next. I I don't know. But
1: it's got to be... It's got to be propelling you, you know? I feel like... Yeah, sure, It's got to be pushing, and and, and, and at this point, it's pulling. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but I... I I okay again. I'm probably giving it too much credit, but I feel like they're trying to like. I feel like that's what they want you to think. Like, well, what now? Like the shark's dead. Like you said, we have no indication that there's any other threat or whatever. I feel like they're they're waiting for the sucker punch. Like, ha ha. Like we're gonna. <laughs> you thought it was dead, but ha ha. Meanwhile, while all of this going, the big undersea kingdom has opened uh, for the first time, and people are <laughs> down there. You know, in these big underwater tunnels and, like, they can see everything and, like, we get more creepy 3D effects with stupid stuff in the underwater kingdom or whatever. This,
1: this is my one of my favorite parts, though, is when the, 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 the tourists go in to the underwater kingdom for the first time and they walk in and the first part of it is, like, some weird undersea haunted house.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the point where it's like they're on the like, Woo, this is crazy. And it's like there's coral and stuff all around them and suddenly like a Moray eel puppet like jer- jumps out at them and like a long tentacle swings out and like starts to wrap around somebody else and they're like, ah, ah, ah key and there's like smoke and black lights and things and I'm thinking, Oh my god, this is so silly. And that was the point at which I was like, really, SeaWorld? Did you really stamp your approval on
0: this movie? (laughs) But again, I think that that kind of – I don't remember anything like that when I was a kid at SeaWorld. But it does kind of highlight how things have changed because I remember SeaWorld as being – An amusement park
1: Mm. and
0: like it's it still is to some extent but they've really shifted their focus to you know kind of let's learn about sea life and like you know we're preservationists and we're studying these animals you know there's kind of been a shift whereas before it was like let's watch dancing pigs on the beach or whatever um anyway so you know now the shark is dead the undersea kingdom uh is open and everybody's looking around and everything's all cool and they're looking out these you know kind of like porthole windows seeing the fish or whatever but then the body of that guy who f- was killed fixing the gate floats up and it's pretty gross <laughs> and so they 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 get it out and uh mike and Kay. Go to have a look at it, and um, Mike pulls the sheet down, and it's pretty gross. The pr- prosthetic effect, or whatever they use the dummy or whatever, it's pretty gross, and like they've got like snakes coming out of its mouth or eels or whatever they're supposed to be. This movie's rated PG, which yeah, really kind of surprises me. me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty dark for PG. I don't remember when the PG thirteen rating came into existence. So maybe it didn't exist yet. I don't know. But for PG, it's pretty dark. Parents out there who are thinking about showing this to your kids, it's it's pretty rough. But anyway, they find this body, and when Kay looks at it, she freaks out because she realizes that there's no way that the shark that they captured could have done this much damage. Um, And so they run to this underwater restaurant, like, everything's underwater, where mm-hmm. uh, Bouchard is with the photographer, and they have this conversation. Meanwhile, there's this other stuff going on with how, like, one of the filtration tunnels is clogged, and the filtration tunnels have been brought up of several times. Like, right. if you don't see it as foreshadowing as I didn't when I was eight, you know, right. you, you, unless you're eight, you probably should But <laughs> one of them is clogged um, And so Bouchard says, well, just turn it off And you know turn on another one It's not worth blowing out the motor or whatever So Kay tells them And this is my absolute favorite part of the movie Still has all its teeth yeah. That
1: means it was a baby Our shark couldn't have killed Overman
0: Its mother did About some damn shark's (laughs) mother? No, I'm talking about shaft. (laughs) And she's like, the mother is in the park. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we've been seeing that as soon as they turn this filtration pump off, we see this huge tail. Like in the the tube, um, and then it like backs out of the tube. Sharks can't swim backwards, folks, but <laughs> they can in this movie.
1: Big ones can apparently. Jaws can.
0: Yeah, and so the second they're talking about it, <laughs> it swims right up to the window, the window. of the restaurant.
1: <laughs> like you rang?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And everybody starts freaking out, and this really sets into motion the whole. I guess I would call it the third act but it's kind of like just this big climactic scene where everybody kind of runs off like Mike runs off because he knows the ski show is going on and so he's trying to pull people in from the ski show and the shark is like chasing the skiers and At one point, the skiers are, like, in this big tower or something, and the dorsal fin of the shark is literally, like, three or four feet behind them. And I'm thinking, well, that must mean that there's a good ten feet of the shark in front of them. Like, (laughs) how are they not seeing it? And, like, the skiers fall, and it's all very dramatic, but they all get away.
1: I love this sequence because it's all of this stuff also interspersed with just the perils of them warning people, like, at Uh one point. Mike is on, like, a golf cart and he can't even, like, yeah. drive his golf cart straight. He's like, Whoa! like he, it flips over as he's trying to get yell at people and and uh, it just creates all this extra little drama in these kind of absurd ways. There's a point, I think he rams, he cuts off another golf cart, which then flips and it's been carrying popcorn and yeah. all this popcorn dumps <laughs> off the back and, like, about 30 people rush for this floor popcorn. Like, floor, <laughs> Like it's money bags or something like that, and I thought my wife and I watched this. We uh we sat down. You know this is PG, so it's one of the few movies she could watch with me. So we you know we made up some tuna sandwiches and <laughs> and sat down and watched this movie. And she says, "Don't they have a PA system?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> the owner is in this big mission control looking underwater room. You know, like they're going to launch the space shuttle with all these. 1980s fancy computers behind him, and uh, it doesn't seem like he can get on and actually make an announcement. At least until later, he I think he does yeah, he later. does
0: eventually. Oh my gosh! But, yeah, okay. And, and the other thing that I like about this is that it all happens in the course of I don't know max ten minutes, five <laughs> minutes. Every time somebody runs somewhere, the shark is there, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and so like then uh, after it attacks. But attacks it doesn 't actually get anybody, but after it scares the skiers. Then, um, Kelly and Sean are on these bumper boats, um, and, uh, it attacks the bumper boats. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And, and Kelly falls in and Kelly actually does get bit. She doesn't get killed, but she gets bit. And then, uh, she gets sent off in an ambulance and Sean gets, goes away with her. It's also a good way to like, kind of get rid of some of the extraneous characters. Like, bye, Sean and Kelly will never see you again. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Uh, Any and the shark breaks up a dock. Uh, there are all kinds of things going on. I just like
1: the idea that the Sea World of the past, ev- everything was just happened in one big body of water. You know, whether they were water yeah. skiing, whether it was the Undersea Kingdom, whether it was the dolphin show, anything like that. Apparently dolphins and sharks and fish and these attractions just all intermingle
0: right yeah it's kind of stupid but (laughs) 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 okay and so then the shark attacks the underwater kingdom and like everybody in there is freaking out and like it breaks one of the tunnels so like the tunnels start filling up with water and the people are freaking out and the, the airtight doors shut so some of these people are like trapped down there Now that all that commotion has settled down, you know, their big uh, prerogatives, they have to get these people out. And so Mike's working on that. Kay takes a moment to talk to him about their relationship, which is totally stupid. (laughs) And then Philip, the photographer, has this idea. He's like, well, it hid in the tunnel. hidden those filtration pipes before. Let's get it in there again. And they come up with some elaborate plot where he's going to be like this live bait or whatever. And that doesn't, you know, like they get it in there, but that doesn't go well because then something bad happens. And anyway, he gets eaten. The owner of the park decides he's
1: going to go ahead and shut off the pump. Yeah. And we couldn't even... figure out why why did he say that why did he instruct them to, to turn off the pump
0: i don't remember i don't remember if it was because it was clogged again or what and it you know it really doesn't make any sense anyway like, i don't even understand what difference it makes like oh th- i remember why because they're like let's suffocate it like like if the if the water's not rushing through the park and it's or through the pump and it's trapped in there it won't be able to breathe mm. Well, the shark is having none of that, and it breaks out of there, again, backwards. And uh, meanwhile, Mike is, like, welding the tunnel for the Underwater Kingdom, and apparently he gets that done just in the nick of time. And then he and Kay are both down there, and then the shark, you know, comes, and it almost gets them, but it doesn't. And then everybody's in in the control room. And that's when we get to this scene that is so often pointed to as being so bad. They're all just standing there. They're all standing there. And through this big glass window, they see the shark approaching them. Now, (laughs) mind you, the shark isn't moving like it just looks like a cutout of a shark like that some kid has on like a popsicle stick that they're just like (laughs) moving forward. It looks terrible. It's not moving at all.
1: It just gets bigger like you would zoom in on a picture.
0: (laughs) It looks awful. And then as it approaches the window, like it breaks into slow-mo and then it busts through the window and, you know, the glass explodes out at the audience because it's 3D or whatever. And then the shark is just like, it's got its head in there. This shark is... It's supposed to be like 35 feet long or something like that. I don't have. There's no sense of scale. At no, all. it's different everywhere, yeah. Every time. And it's hanging out the back, and like, again, like it looks like a movie out of the 60s. I mean, it just. The effects are terrible, but so they're in there, and like one of the guys in the control room gets eaten. A couple of them, like Bouchard, and gets one of the other ladies out, and so then it was just Mike and Kay in there. They don't know what to do, but Mike sees that Philip, the camera guy, is still lodged in the shark's mouth, and he's <laughs> holding a grenade. Yes, <laughs> and so Mike gets like some sort of like hook contraption and manages somehow (laughs) reaching into this 35-foot shark's mouth to – hook this tiny tiny little ring <laughs> and he, he, he pulls it out of the, the grenade and he and Kay take cover like behind a desk or something which also <laughs> doesn't make any sense the shark explodes and again we get these 3D effects with everything shooting out at the screen and it the ends up with just the, the jaws of the shark And you know it's all very exciting and then the shark has exploded or whatever um, and then my <laughs> second favorite part of the movie is the very end where Mike (laughs) Mike and Kay come up in the lagoon and it's morning now and it's beautiful and like the sun has just risen and she's all concerned about the dolphins and she's like ah where are the dolphins and like so she's calling them and like slapping the water and one of them comes and they can't find the other one and he's like Mike's like, oh, I don't think she made it. And then all of a sudden, this dolphin leaps into the air, and they... Celebrate because they're so excited that the dolphins <laughs> made it, and the music swells, and it's so exciting. And then the dolphins just do their little dolphin show all around them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then it and then it freezes with the dolphins like framing them in the frame. It freezes
1: on another horrible optical effect.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's terrible.
1: <laughs> but it's so exciting. <laughs> If there had been a rainbow behind them, maybe that, you know.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Listen, I know it's a bad movie. I, I know it. I get it. But honest to God, I just still, even watching it 30 years later or whatever, I still find it really entertaining. Like, it's fun to watch.
1: It's a fun movie to watch. There's no doubt it's entertaining. It is total popcorn again nostalgic you don't even have to have watched a movie before to feel this you know you just need to have lived through the 80s to sort of feel nostalgic for the time and those kind of movies and all that no i grant you all of that i'm ah, you know it's it's, okay
0: my feelings will only be hurt a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but it's a bad movie it it is i know it's a bad
1: movie in so many ways and I think it could have been good. I mean, I feel like you probably could have taken the same script and the same concepts and things, tweaked it in very small ways and maybe like I said improve the directing and get some good special effects in there. Yeah. Uh and and maybe you know maybe just they just got a little ambitious, you know, it's the number 3, they're trying to do the 3D angle, they were really pushing for the 3D. And a lot of that probably forced their hand to use a lot of these really cheap optical effects, just to you know be able to ram those effects and those things into people's faces. And uh, if it had just been a, you know, held back just a little bit from that, and um, yeah, yeah, basically if they just redone the whole thing. <laughs> 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 but you know, honestly, my wife loved it. She she thought it was great. And um, good, and, like I said, it was it was fun to watch. I would even watch it again. It was one of those, again, I think so goofy that it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and I know, you know, I can't speak for all the actors, but I know that Dennis Quaid isn't particularly proud of it. Well, he was going through, you know, a (laughs) drug-addled time in his life, so that may have had something to do with it. But I just think that the acting is super competent. Like, I liked these characters. I liked them. And I, I, well... You know, except for Lewis Gossett Jr., who I wasn't supposed to like. And, you know, he did a reasonable job of playing the stereotypical bad guy. I don't know. I just think it's charming. Folks, if you uh, want to leave comments about how much you think this movie is terrible, again, my feelings will only be hurt a little bit. I understand. <laughs> I totally get where people are coming from uh, when they criticize this movie.
1: This film sits in a special place in your heart that nobody can touch, Craig.
0: I don't think think any of us need to
1: worry about that.
0: Oh, man. All right. Fine. I guess it's time for me to stop gushing. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to another edition of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. If you liked this episode, you can find all kinds of back episodes online. We are on Facebook. You can check out our uh, website at twoguys.red40.net. We're also on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all kinds of other places, I think, where you can find uh, your favorite podcasts. We are going to continue our month of summer movies next week. We've got a couple coming up that I'm really looking forward to. We subjected you to one bad shark movie. I have also requested that Todd and I do a good shark movie, and I'm really looking forward to that one. So uh, stay tuned for the next couple weeks and beyond. Uh, And until next week, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw.